You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jen Smith. I'm Jill Sirianni, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. I'm not the same person I was four years ago. At the time, I was blogging fervently about personal finance on the cusp of leaving my full-time doctoring job and spent a lot of energy thinking about money, how we save it, how we make it, how we invest it. At the time, I felt like my viewpoints were fairly evolved. I pictured myself as part of a secret society who held the mysteries of financial success in our hands to benevolently parse out to all those willing to listen. Maybe it was creating and hosting a podcast maybe reaching my financial goals, maybe just plain time. But I've changed over those four years. The conversations are deeper and more nuanced. And strangely, money has become the background, the given, the jumping off point. There's no question that this is a privileged view. Not everyone is able to assume that the money part will just show up. Four years ago, my guests today started discussing frugality and money on their own podcast. They do a spectacular job of not only teaching what they have learned over the last four years, but also coming back to those initial financial pearls that made us all want to listen in the first place. Today, we discuss what they've learned in four years of building a community surrounded by two basic concepts, frugality and friendship. Jen Smith got in touch with her inner frugal when she and her husband paid off $78,000 of debt in less than two years. She is a writer behind the blog Modern Frugality, two books, The No Spend Challenge Guide, and Meal Planning on a Budget, and she is co-host of the Frugal Friends podcast. Jill Sirianni owns her own remodeling business and is a social worker by day. With her DIY skills and frugal knowledge, she hopes to help you in your journey. She is also a co-host of the Frugal Friends podcast. Jen and Jill, welcome to Earn and Invest. Jen, I want to start with you. I'm going to quote your website We're out to create a community where frugality is embraced by choice, not out of obligation. I know it's kind of a silly question, but would anyone be frugal if they didn't have to? Uh, So that answer is resounding no, like for most people. (laughs) And I, I, I chose when we were starting to pay off our student loans, I chose side hustling over frugality as a way to try and pay off those loans faster because I thought I I did have an income problem, but I thought I could get at it only through making more money because I bought generic brands at the grocery store. So I thought that I was frugal. Like I thought that was enough. So after two months of doing that, when I got shingles from overworking, I, I realized that I had to take a more balanced approach. And, and that was how I discovered frugality. And I didn't, but I didn't want to. And it's been this journey of, gosh, I'm, I mean, eight years now of falling in love with frugality and really seeing it as not just a means to an end, but the solution to so many financial problems that we see in the world. Jill, talk about that. I mean, is there a joy in frugality above and beyond the dollars saved in the bank? Absolutely. I think what frugality has brought to me, and I would say frugality has been a little bit more of a lifestyle for me. I never really was a huge spender. Part of that was because I didn't have a lot of money growing up or into my early 20s. 
but seeing the way that it can be adopted, not just out of necessity, but thankfully my husband and I are not in the same place financially that we were in 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And yet the lifestyle of frugality still brings joy for me. It is still fun. There is community, a part of a frugal lifestyle. There's minimalism and simple living and things that intersect with frugality that really are so life-giving to me. So I, I do believe that for myself, at least, if money was no object, it still wouldn't change much about how I live my life because I see the benefit and the fruit of what frugality has afforded me, <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> Jen, I mean, is there a dark side? Like, What's the difference between frugal and cheap? I love this question because that is typically how we view frugality. And even like between Jill and I, we hate using the word cheap. We still use it sometimes. <laughs> and then we like mostly me and then Jill will look at me and, and be like, don't use the C word. <laughs> and so people, I mean, we very much equate them as the same thing, but for us, Cheap takes advantage of of somebody. So cheap manipulates somebody either in our lives or or people we don't even know, like the fast fashion industry. When you buy cheap clothing, you are taking advantage of underpaid workers abroad and even in the states. So there are there are a lot of things about cheap that are detrimental to people and our natural resources. When we're being frugal, frugal does not take advantage of people. And I think that's the key thing to think. Like if my saving money takes advantage is at the expense of somebody else, then it's no longer frugal. It's cheap. Frugal is just getting a little creative with how we solve our problems and not resorting first to solving them with money. Sometimes that is the best way to solve a problem, but it's creating a filter that says, okay, how can I avoid this, DIY it, or get creative in some other way? If I cannot, then I will spend money. So it's not inconvenient. It is not, it is just not the most convenient. Jill, it's funny, as I'm listening to Jen talk about this, I almost get the sense that cheap is, in a sense, lacking value, whereas mm -hmm. frugal is almost like being more thoughtful about value. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cheap is getting a deal just for the sake of getting a deal, which news alert, if we're spending money, we're not saving money, even if the thing is 50 to 75% off. And I will say my frugality early on was that I was digging through the clearance section. I was looking for the red tags and it was just so I could get a deal. I wanted, I wanted things. I wanted, I still like yard sales and thrift stores, but it's, there's more intentionality to it now versus just getting the deal. And I think where cheap can cause us to just collect things unintentionally, it lacks some of the mindfulness, whereas frugality helps us to think about what we're spending on. What are we bringing into our home? Does it align with our values? So there certainly is a big difference between the two things. I am not after cheap. I am not after just the next good deal. I really want to make wise decisions with all of my resources. We're going to talk about that and some of the other things you've learned over the last four years of podcasting. But Jen, before we do, tell me how you and Jill met. I mean, it's a kind of fun story. I love this story. So I met this dude one night in San Diego at a party and we became Facebook friends and then never spoke again. So fast forward maybe eight years and... I see this Facebook post from said dude um, saying, hey, my wife and I are in St. Pete, Tampa. Does anybody want to hang out? And he did not mean me. And I didn't really want to respond because that's very out of character for me to, to just respond to someone around. But I remember him being really nice and like a really cool guy. So I was like, no, and also nobody else responded. So <laughs> you felt bad, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I didn't even tell him how we knew each other. I was just like, hey, my friends and I are going to watch the sunset at this bar on the beach. You guys are welcome to come. 
And then he agreed, and I found out his wife was not interested in coming, but reluctantly said yes. And they show up at this bar that we're all at, and that is how I met Jill that night with me and my husband and her and Eric and then some of our other friends. And we just had like a great time sitting on the beach and talking about our debt payoff. And they were living in an RV to save money. And we just really connected on the topic of like saving money and being wise with our money. And Jen, four years ago, when you started the podcast, you really didn't know each other that well at the time. No, like we were friends, but we were kind of like couple friends. So like my husband and me and her and her husband, we would hang out, but Jill and I never hung out individually. They lived in in Philadelphia and we lived in St. Pete. So we went up to visit them once and Eric was like, you guys should start a podcast. I want to get into podcast editing. And I was like, no, I'm a writer. Um, Not for me. But if I did, it should be called Frugal Friends. And that, and right. And Eric was like, you should start it with Jill. And I was like, why would I do that? She's not a podcaster or a writer or in personal finance. It sounds like a horrible idea. And we did it anyway. We are friends. <laughs> so, Jenna, a bit, so far in this story, I'm the reluctant wife. I'm the like, person who just exists in a couple hangout. I'm the person who doesn't have any skill set to bring to the table. But believe it or not, we're friends. It's worked out. We're four years well, into the podcast. The last time you told this story, I was the person who said no to everything. So this is, <laughs> this is payback. But I, yes, I am so blessed by our friendship and we would not have gotten so close without the podcast. I gained not just a a business partner, but an amazing friend who I'm so thankful for. It's it, I could have never imagined being so lucky to have Jill to like do this with every week. Jill, let's pivot off this idea of what you gained over the four years. Certainly a strong friendship is one thing, but you've also gained a sense of community. Tell me, Jill, about what having this frugal community has meant to you. Oh, I am I am fiercely independent. I am not a public exerciser. It's like one small part of me, but I feel like it does kind of define a lot of other areas. She doesn't exercise I, in public. That's no, it's I'm at home on YouTube. You're not, you're not going to see this. You're not going to see it happening. Uh, so I feel as though a lot of the things that I do in life are like that. Thankfully, I'm pretty capable. I can do a lot of things on my own. I don't need someone yelling at me to keep going. Come on, you got this. But that's only true to an extent. And I think what this podcast partnership, friendship, community of frugal people has taught me is I don't know it all. I can do a lot of really good things on my own, but holy smokes, can I do amazing stuff with a partner and a community around me? I did not know about investing, thinking about retirement. There are things about budgeting that I've learned, things about minimal living that I would not have discovered on my own if it weren't for being a part of a community who is brainstorming together, talking about their challenges and barriers, talking about their wins and celebrations and how they do various aspects of their life. Because personal finance, that's that's just one part of who we are, our financial lives. We are whole people and it intersects with all aspects of who we are. So my eyes and sights on other aspects of my personhood, getting better with my finances, growing in confidence, that never would have happened without an, a community and other people who are pointed at well-being and health themselves in this area, but also other areas of life. And talking with Jen on a weekly basis, putting out a podcast weekly has kept me on that trajectory where I probably would have fallen off in some way, shape or form if it weren't for this. I just, my sights would have been elsewhere, but I'm so, so grateful. Jen, I want to spend a little more time talking about community because in your episode where you talk about what you've learned in four years of podcasting, you spend a decent amount of time talking about community. One thing that you said, which caught my eye was 
you said that you were reluctant to pay off your last bit of debt because in a sense, you felt like that would estrange you from the debt community. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think all of us are looking for a place to belong, right? That's why the FIRE community is so big because we all want to, we all want a place to identify ourselves. And like even people who are really not actually doing traditional FIRE are still creating all these variants of FIRE so they can still fit into the community. So we're all looking for a place to belong. And it was, it, it being, so ingrained in one goal for a long period of time, when you have find your community around that, it can be scary to move up, to move forward. And it's why so many people kind of stay where they are, typically in, in not choosing to pay off their debt or, or make financial gains because their community, the people they're around, are not trying to pay off debt or retire early. And so it's it's hard to do something that the community around us is not doing. And so for me, that happened to be, I mean, I had a built-in community with my husband while we were paying off debt and then just kind of built that along the way with other people. So yeah, it was a little scary to like be moving on to something else unknown because it's like, am I going to find the same type of community. But and I and that's why I I love the community that we're building because there are a lot of people paying off debt, yes, but there's also a lot of people saving for a house, saving for retirement, investing and stuff. It's really a community built around in, intentional living. Yeah, so it's been our goal to create community, a place where people can identify themselves and rebrand frugality so people feel like good saying I'm frugal and like being part of that tribe. Jill, I think a lot about like Dave Ramsey and most of us say, hey, Dave Ramsey is a a force for good in the world. But this idea of lots of people outgrow that community. I'm wondering both as a podcaster and a member, how do we form these kind of communities that instead of outgrowing, we evolve with, so to speak? Yeah. It's a great question. And a lot of, I think, community formation theories can play into this. One of the things that I really appreciate about frugality is that it encompasses all people. Frugality isn't just for those who are paying off debt. It's not just for those who are trying to buy a home or save for retirement. It is for everybody. So I think having something to gather around that can follow us through life has flexibility and freedom within it that people can gather around and space for one another, space for every every person's journey, where they're finding themselves. And I think when you have something like frugality, where there's a lot of different places for entry, for flexibility, for intersection, You then also have a community of people in different spaces that can turn around and help one another. And I think that's what keeps the community together versus we're just all, we're all only paying off debt. And so we're moving through that space. And once we pay off debt, we kind of disband this, our community, what I see happening within the frugal friends community and within the frugality movement is you've got people at different spaces all practicing a frugal lifestyle, but able to help. Yeah, I was in debt payoff. Here's what I learned. Hey, I'm investing for XYZ. Here's what I learned. Hey, we just bought our fifth house. Let me help you on your first. And so there's so many places to be able to help one another. I think that's what keeps us engaged when we can both give and receive, when there's continual reciprocity happening within the community. Jenna, it brings up an interesting question, right? Because In my mind, the difference between a podcast and a community is the flow of information, right? A podcast is information flows from the creator, the podcaster to everyone else. But in a community, there's kind of that bi-directional flow. Tell me some of the things you've learned from your community as being a podcaster. What have they kind of sent back towards you? Oh my gosh, so many things. I mean, most recently in our paid community, we had a zero waste challenge. And so we're we're really at like we passionate about like eco sustainability as because our natural resources are even more finite than our monetary resources. And so and when you waste less, you save money. And so 
we had one member who is actually like a master composter and she's like very zero waste. And she was teaching us a lot about composting. Like in one of our Q&As with Jill and I, <laughs> I felt like it was really a Q&A with her about like sustainability and stuff. And so there are, are all aspects around. So frugality is like the wise stewardship of financial resources, physical resources, natural resources, and and time. And so there, I mean, while I'm a personal finance writer and personal finance expert, I'm not a minimalism expert or sustainability expert. And gosh, I'm not a time expert. I am, I waste so much time. And so to have people that may have a little bit more experience in those other things, it, it teaches me so much. And we just learn from experiences, hearing other people's experiences. Even if you don't, even if you're not ready to learn from it, it gives you permission to be in the same space or permission to think bigger about your own situation. Because when we're only learning from people in our immediate vicinity, it really confines what we think about our ourselves and our possibilities. But the internet is this beautiful thing where it can, can connect us to people with different lives and different lifestyles and open us up to think bigger for ourselves. Jill, do you think we get it wrong when we think about frugality as just a money issue? Because when I'm listening to what Jen's saying, it's the community as a whole has taught you about a lot of things outside of, of just money, so to speak. Certainly, we are whole people. So any aspect of our personhood intersects with all other aspects. Certainly, even if you were just to talk about finances, you're never just talking about finances. You're talking about mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, physical health, and much more so if you want to talk about frugality, because frugality is not just talking about finances. It's talking about resources, the way that we spend our time, how we engage with our environment, our community, the decisions that we make. And so again, it's that whole person concept where yes, money decisions come into play, but those money decisions are going to impact all other areas. And it's why we feel so strongly about this frugal lifestyle, because we see the benefits in the rest of our lives of what it allows us to engage in, how we are able to point at our values to greater degrees and have decisions that align with those core values. And we're not spending mindlessly and the ways that that helps and grows our relationships, our personal growth, our professional growth, really everything. It touches everything. Jen, how do you think you've evolved over the last four years? How have you changed as this podcast and community have taken shape? It's been it's been a wild ride. So before I started the podcast, we became debt-free. And so that's when I was really interested in, from like 2016 to 2018, I wrote my book, The No Spend Challenge Guide. And I was very much into teaching people how to adopt frugality because it was really something that I had to learn. I had a mindset like I was broke, so I can't afford anything. But I didn't have the mindset of I I should budget the money that I do have and not just spend it mindlessly. And so for some now I say those things and it's it's like, duh, like why didn't those things connect? But when I was living it, I didn't I didn't connect those things. And so that was what I was like passionate about. And then I started writing for the Penny Hoarder and I became their investment and retirement writer. And so I was very much into the FIRE movement. I was like interviewing people every week in the movement. And I I transferred my goal of paying off debt, which was very strong, very fast, very invested. And I just, it was very easy for me to transfer that to investing our income. And I didn't work through the the mental reasons why I was paying off debt, why I was investing, what I really wanted from my life. Do I have to save at this rate? Uh, What can I, like, how can I live my life now versus like waiting to live for retirement? Like I didn't, it was just easy for me to just focus on super investing. And so in that that year, you'll find a lot of episodes on investing on our show. (laughs) So like, and then once I got laid off from that job, 
and I was free to work for myself, like that's when I started asking myself hard questions of like, who are you? What do you want to do? Now that your income has been taken away from you, you actually have the life that you wanted to live in retirement. So like, what was keeping you from that before? And so I, I now in the past three years, we've been on this journey of really developing sense of self because financial goals, those are easy to comprehend. Numbers, those are easy. Even for people who don't like spreadsheets, uh, you can pick a goal and you can work towards that. But figuring out who you are, what you want, and how to get that, that's hard. Like that is hard. And then planning your finances around that is something that people are not talking about. And so that's kind of where we've been. It's like, maybe you don't have to retire early. Maybe you don't have to save 50% of your income right now. Maybe you just need to find a job you like better and pursue that. Maybe you just need a little bit more time or to lower your expenses and you could go part-time. Like there's all these questions that we don't ask that we are now exploring in our show. We are talking to Jen Smith and Jill Siriani. They are the co-creators and co-hosts of the Frugal Friends podcast. We're going to take a short break. This is Doc G, and you're listening to the Earn and Invest podcast. You know what? I love our meals from Factor. My son started getting them about a year ago when he needed a quick alternative to meals on the go. But where we've really enjoyed them is we've been remodeling our kitchen. That's right. We've had no access to our kitchen for the last few weeks. And some nights we just had no idea what to do for a meal. That is where Factor came in. We would just pop the meal in the microwave and two minutes later, we'd have a fantastic meal. You can do the exact same thing. And there's tons of variety. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including calorie smart, keto, protein plus, or vegan and veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week. These are chef prepared meals. And let me tell you, they are delicious. No fuss, no mess. You just put it in the microwave and two minutes later, You have a meal. This is tailored to your schedule. You can customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Head to factormeals.com slash earn50 and use your code earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code earn50 at factormeals.com slash earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to remind you, if you want to find out what is going on with the Earn and Invest podcast or me, Jordan Grummet, there are a few ways to get more information. One is that you can go to my personal website, jordangrummet.com. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-G-R-U-M-E-T.com. There you'll find links to my medical blog, my financial blog, as well as the Earn and Invest podcast. You'll also learn what is the newest, latest, and greatest when it comes to my book, Taking Stock, which will be coming out August 2nd. We're going to make the push for early or pre-sales in July. You can find it on Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Nobles. You name it, you can find it there. And last but not least, visit us on Facebook. The best way to get there is earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. Again, that's earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. In our Facebook group, we discuss everything from personal finance to current events to what's happening in our world, as well as I post every episode there. So check us out. A few different ways to reach me, either at jordangrummet.com or at earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. I hope to see you there and become part of the Earn and Invest community. Let me reintroduce you. We are talking to Jen Smith and Jill Siriani. They are the co-hosts and co-creators of the Frugal Friends podcast, and they will be putting together a Frugal Living Summit June 27th through 30th. And this year is all about being a spending symposium. Jill, Jen was talking about how she's evolved since the podcast started. Let's talk about how the subject and topic of the podcast has changed over the years. How much is of it currently is about frugality, spending money, and how much is it more about just intentional living? Oh, both. 
both and. <laughs> We're definitely not either or. We intersperse so much, although it is always interesting to me when I hear folks say that they are binging the podcast. I mean, there's over 200 episodes at this point, which is so fun for us. I have no idea what that experience is like for people who <laughs> listen to it in such, such a short amount of time because you really are listening to the last four years of our lives, which has shifted so, so much. So certainly you will see some of the evolution of where we've gone in our finances, what we're learning. But it also is, what is our community interested in hearing about too? We are not just putting out podcast episodes based around our specific life circumstances. It's what are people interested in learning, what's happening in the environment around us that we need to be focused on and intentional about. So certainly we're going to talk about investing. We're going to talk about saving on groceries. We're going to talk about decluttering and all of it. You're, you're, you're going to get a flavoring, a sampling, if you will, in every episode that you listen to. Jen, one interesting thing you guys both talked a little bit about during your episode of what you've learned over the four years is doing the podcast has taught you about boundaries. Talk a little bit about that. If you remember that conversation from the podcast, what sort of boundaries have you learned to impose and not impose based on on your journey on this podcast? Yeah, I think when you are are co-hosting a podcast and you are working with someone else, you have to value their time as much as your own. And so you have to be committed, and but you have to have boundaries too. So we we definitely take care of each other like in that aspect, but also I've I've learned boundaries in my personal life as well from the show. I've hired somebody to clean our house for the first time ever one time, but I did it because I knew that I didn't have the time. Like we were in a time crunch in a, in a busy season. And so like I created that boundary to help me. You also talk about learning about freedom during this episode. And I want to quote you here. You said you've learned freedom from yourself. You said freedom from myself. You said, I'm the bottleneck. What did that mean exactly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I I am very often the the limiting factor in my potential. And I think when you're a, a a capable person, I think that comes with downsides is that you can do a lot of things very well. But because of that, it uh I don't ask for help as much and I don't seek out coaching as soon as I should and I don't think think bigger because I'm so capable of working in my business that I don't like, I don't take time to, to really grow above it. And so like, I have seen that I, in my life, I am the bottleneck in my, in my progress in things getting done. And so 2021 was like a big year of letting go of good so that I could pick up what's great. And it was letting go of this business that was making me six figures. It was really good, but it was exhausting. I was like white knuckling it. I was holding, like I was managing everything very, like very tightly, but it was all about to fall apart. Uh, <laughs> it was not sustainable. And I had, I, I had to let go of that because I saw the greater growth potential for, for frugal friends. And it was a hard year of, of realizations like that and letting go of myself and thinking I had to, I have to be like the, the person who does everything. Like I can't lean on Jill, like I can't put that responsibility on her or somebody else and like releasing that. And it's when anything I've done in community has been far greater than anything I've done on my own. And, and realizing that the power of community and the power of partnership has been life-changing for me. Jill, what Jen is talking about, giving herself permission, if I understand it correctly, Jen, I think you've let go of some of your other responsibilities, some freelancing, some blogging, some courses, let go of some of those things to focus on frugal friends. Jill, tell me about giving yourself permission. That's also something you talked about quite eloquently on your episode about what you've learned in the last four years. How have you learned to give yourself permission? 
Yeah, I think, again, this is very connected to the boundaries conversation. And a really helpful definition for me of boundaries is what is okay and what's not okay. And we can spend a lifetime discovering this. I think it is ever evolving for all of who we are emotionally, mentally, relationally, physically, spiritually, financially, what is okay and what's not okay. And as we get closer to understanding ourselves, where those boundaries, boundary lines lie, we are able to identify where we have permission. And that's, so my background is social work. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I provide therapy to people. So I can say, even from the behind the scenes perspective, boundaries, permission, freedom is primarily what we talk about in sessions. We all need help with it, myself included. There are There is room for growth. But the more that we can give ourselves permission, no one else is going to do it. And even if other people do do it, it may not take root. So we have to find that for ourselves. Where do I have permission to hire someone else to do this thing? Where do I have permission to spend on this, to save on that, to not do it the way that these people are doing it because I have freedom to do it my own way because my life looks different. That might be okay for them. It's not okay for me. So again, that what is okay, what's not okay for our specific circumstances, recognizing that our permissions, our freedoms, what's going to work best for us might not be the same for other people. But in community, as we have these conversations, as we seek to grow and understand ourselves better, we are going to have a better sense for what that is as we see other people working that out as well. Jen, it reminds me of another thing you talked about on that episode, which is the idea of the integrated self. And what I'm hearing both of you say is, you've really found a way to kind of fit frugality into that integrated self, such as a way that it doesn't hold you back from doing what you want to do, but complements who you've become. Yeah, I feel like, so to quote, you know, Paula Pant, you can, you can afford anything, but not everything. You can do anything, but you can't do everything. You can You can love anything, but you can't love everything. And so when you figure out what you love, what you want to do, you give yourself permission to for it to be different than the people around you, then you can you can live more fully and you can spend on things without guilt because you're not spending on everything. You can say no more easily. And I think that frugality affords you that. Like it doesn't hold you back. It might hold you back from the traditional American dream, but you have to ask yourself if that's your dream because we have taken that, I mean, the 2000 square foot home and the investment properties and the kids and all of that at face value or the kids like all the their soccer games and stuff. We've taken all of that at face value thinking that <laughs> that's something we should want. Yeah, keep your kids. They're great. But like you have to ask yourself like what's your dream? What's your partner's dream? Like what what works for you? And frugality affords you the ability the the money and the time to to live that life. Jill in a moment we're going to talk about the Frugal Friends Summit, but before we do Tell me how your ideas about enough have changed over the last four years. Is your concept enough the same as it was way back then? No. In some ways, I wish that I could say it is, but lifestyle creep has certainly affected me as well. And to give a little bit more background on on my story, my husband and I, not that long ago, were living combined income below the poverty line. So enough for us really did mean an ability to pay our bills. And thankfully, and I got to say in large part due to friendship, partnership with Jen, the community of Frugal Friends, we are not in the same place that we were in five years ago. And we are now having a combined income of a little over six figures, which feels amazing. But I will say 
my definition of enough does shift as you have an increase of resources. I would love to get that to a sustainable point. This is just, you know, my growth edge. I'll be vulnerable and transparent with you that I I do hope that enough can stay relatively this this flat line. It's great to go above it and do more things, but I I think that we do need to come to a place where we can rest in whatever that enough is. It doesn't mean that we're not growing, right? Enough can stay relatively a plateau and we can do more, but that we don't again, let lifestyle creep come in and enough is never enough because I think that that does intersect with identity, the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves. So my enough at this point is it's still paying the bills. I still want to be able to pay the bills, Uh, but also to be able to have enough where I can turn around and be generous with some of the surplus. And that, that to me is the, the goal, the stretch of enough. Jen, same question. Has your concept of enough changed over the last four years? Yeah. I didn't have a concept of enough before probably last year when somebody asked me like, what is enough for you? And was like, if you don't have enough to find, nothing will ever be enough. Cause I was really jaded by, all of these people on Instagram saying like, oh, I'm, I've got five figure month. Oh, I'm like doing so much money on this course or that membership. And, and I was like, I, I like my life, but like, I don't, un- and I feel capable, but I don't understand like, you know, why I'm not there. And I, I just wanted more and more and more. Like I wanted to be wherever the next person was ahead of me. And that was really stressing me out. And somebody asked me, like, what is enough then? Like, what's, why? And I was like, oh, I want to have a $1 million business. And like, why? Why? Why do you want to have that? And I couldn't answer. I didn't, I mean, for the sake, it was an arbitrary number. And and that's a lot of times what personal finance is, is that we are placing these arbitrary numbers. And yeah, they, you know, 4% rule, 25X, like, they might have a little bit of reasoning behind them, but most of the time that they're mostly arbitrary. So I had to look at my life right now. So like, what's the immediate goal? How much do I need uh, to be bringing in to get there? And found that we were already there and that we had a few more goals that we'd like to hit, that it would be nice to increase our income. But like we were, we had enough. And that was mind blowing to me. Like enough to live and invest and do fun things. But I had never even considered the concept of enough before last year. I so connect with you what you're talking about, especially the looking on Instagram and seeing all these things that other people are achieving. Achievement is certainly an intoxication. And I know in my life, it's much easier to chase after an achievement then to start considering what enough could be outside of some of those, especially more monetary achievements. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a very difficult thing to do. And putting that in light, Jill, one way that maybe we can start heading towards that is to attend the Frugal Friends Summit. Why don't you tell us about the Frugal Friends Summit? What is it? When is it? And why should we be interested? This is the second year that we're doing it. So we've already done our test run. The guinea pigs have already gone through it. We are. They loved better. it. No guinea pigs were hurt. Yes. No, we were <laughs> in the making of the first summit. But now it's, it's even better. And so this year we are talking about spending, which is our little hot take because frugal friends talking about spending. Yes, believe it or not. So spending Whoa. symposium. <laughs> We are going to have 20 speakers talking on all sorts of topics related to spending better, maybe cutting spending, but really talking a lot about values-based spending and how can we get after that. It is free. It is online. So there is little to no reason not to attend June 27th to 30th, 2022. And Jen, tell us a little bit about the speakers. A a caveat, you know, you guys have been open with the fact that Frugal Friends has been certainly 
a little bit more women focused, right? Mm-hmm. A place where it's hard to find this kind of information to women, for women, discussed by women. One of the things I think is important to both of you is because it's not easy to find that in the world, you've had some of that focus in your own platform. Tell us about the speakers. Are there some male speakers? And just to kind of be clear, is this a good place for men and women to get involved and go to the summit? Absolutely. We do have several male speakers. We are not exclusively a female show, but we found that a lot of the female personal finance content is centered around moms, parenting, families, homemaking, stuff like that, or higher upper echelons. So like building businesses and negotiating like income, stuff like that. There wasn't a lot of place for like places for women in the middle, in the radical middle. And so we are bringing together um, as many diverse female voices as possible and a few really cool male voices because our, our we have a small but mighty male contingency in our listenership and they are the coolest people ever. Like they are very, very great guys. And so we are not exclusive to females, but we do value elevating female voices and diverse female voices that are are kind of in the in the middle that are like relatable to the masses. Yeah, as a male fan of the show, I will tell you that everything I've listened to is very relatable to whoever you are. I, I think there's just this general knowledge that that isn't really gender based, and I've certainly been able to enjoy the show and not not felt like there was any issue there. Jill, if people want to go to the summit, what is the best way for them to learn about it and sign up? Frugallivingsummit.com. Everything you need to know. Sign up. (laughs) Right there. It's free. We make it easy. Well, I wanted to thank you both for coming on. I started my podcast journey maybe six months after you both did. And it's been a joy to watch you both evolve But I think the story is a much wider and broader story of just how two or three people have evolved, or even a podcast has evolved. I think a lot of this is about how we evolve and think about first money and then probably living intentional lives. And I think as we all go through this evolution, our focus shifts sometimes from the bare minimum, having enough money to pay our bills and have heat and do those kind of things to much broader topics of how do we live a life? How do we embrace what enough is? And how do we learn to be contented with our situation, what we have and what we don't? I want to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what is up next in your life. And if people want to reach out to you specifically, how how they can. Jen, let's start with you. Obviously, the summit is coming up in your life. Anything else that you wanted to mention? And how can people reach you specifically? Well, yeah, the summit is going to be amazing. We're going to be live every night. We're going to have 20 speakers. It's absolutely free. You can tune in from your phone or computer wherever you are, June 27th through 30th. And we are like both at Frugal Friends Podcast on Instagram or Jen at FrugalFriendsPodcast.com. But uh, I mean, after the summit, I'm going on vacation. That's what's up next for me. Sounds like a good plan. And Jill, what is up next in your life and where can people find you? What's up next for me is consistency. I love dreaming big and certainly Jen and I are brewing some things for the Frugal Friends podcast, but we're just going to keep bringing episodes weekly. We're going to keep doing this summit and engaging with our frugal friends and our membership and online. So consistency is what we're aiming at. And like Jen said, you can find me and Jen at Frugal Friends Podcast on Instagram, on Facebook, listen to our podcast. We love that. So good to hang out with you, Doc. Thanks for having us. This has been the Earn and Invest Podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Jen Smith and Jill Siriani. That's a wrap. Awesome. That was Mm. a lot of fun. Um, Yeah. I I definitely, 
you know, it's it has been a pleasure to watch you guys do what you do. It's really nice to meet you in person, Jill, since Jen and I feel like we've connected a number of times. Um, yeah. yeah, you guys have done some really great stuff and, and watching on the outside, I'm real impressed. I think you've just accomplished some really great things and built a, a really strong community. Thank you. That means a lot. It's cool to hear it, you know, obviously from our listeners, but it is really valuable to hear it from others in the space as well. Those who understand what it takes and what the behind the scenes is like. So thank you for your encouragement. Do you mean it's not like you just snap your fingers and everyone comes and listens? (laughs) I thought that's what it was. (laughs) I know I'd be doing a lot more snapping. That's for sure. A lot of snaps. What did you guys learn from the first Frugal Summit? Like, is this, how is this going to be different? Um, I'm going to structure the engagement portions a, a little, a little less and a little more. Um, just have a, a guide people a little bit more easier in those. But the engagement components were very successful in converting to to members, um, paid members. So yeah, definitely going to do that. Um, and uh, and. Something else, we, we went with smaller names in the industry. Actually, we just interviewed Rose Lounsbury this morning. I love Rose. Um, She's yes, awesome. She's via awesome. your recommendation. Yeah, yes. I love Rose. Um, yeah. so, so we're having names that aren't like, I mean, our, our people don't really know like big personal finance names, um, but we're having people that we know will share more. Yeah. Um, so we're hoping instead of getting, you know, like one person with a 20,000 person email list or Instagram following, we get 20 of them with fewer, but they, they all promote. Um, and so hopefully that will be, uh, better conversions because oh, we had great conversions for our all access pass last year. Like that was fire. Um, but yeah, so this is a test to see what, what it'll look like. Short form interview too. We got a lot of feedback mm-hmm. that people appreciated. Like we were between yeah. 30 and 45 minutes last, last year. And now we're like 30 minutes, 30 minutes, yeah. 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Cause people yeah. can get, they're going to get long form from your podcast itself. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they can get snippets. I would bet. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. The corporate world is like the ocean. It's alluring, but it's also full of deadly creatures that can shred you to pieces. It becomes kind of like a Game of Thrones political arena where everyone's trying to murder you to get your job. My family doesn't come from corporate backgrounds, so I didn't have any sort of guidance in that. This is not your typical work podcast. Sometimes you need to be empathetic. And then there are times that you ask for input, but you don't really give a shit. <laughs> Listen to the Ambi Award-nominated podcast, Surfing Corporate. Stretch opportunity. What is this, yoga class? Get out of here. <laughs> 